Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is to create moments that change lives. We pray that these weekly messages will be a moment in your day that leads to a change in your life. For more information, visit us online at LifeGateBurleson.com. We've been doing this series called David, and obviously we've been talking about this guy, David, in the Bible. In fact, David in the Bible is one of the most famous people, not just in the Bible, but actually in history. In the Bible, actually, there is more written about David than almost any other person in the entire Bible. And man, we've been learning a whole lot about him. In fact, we learned that he didn't start out being famous. He didn't start out being the king. He started out just being a shepherd boy, tending to his father's sheep. But God had more for him, and God wanted to do more through him. God anointed him to be the next king of all of Israel. And here's what we've challenged many of you, that that you, like David, God has more for you. More he wants to do in you, but not just in you, but more he wants to do through you. That some of you even, God is going to call you to be a leader. Maybe to be a leader in the church, maybe to be a leader of a life group, maybe maybe to be a leader of a ministry, maybe to be a leader in your home, in your family, or at work, or maybe to lead some of your friends to relationship with Jesus, that God is calling you to be a leader. But here's what we have discovered in this series, is that leadership is hard, right? In fact, just because God called you to something doesn't mean that it's going to be easy, And that's exactly what David found out. He was anointed to be the next king, but then, man, his path wasn't exactly an easy one up to the throne. I mean, we found out that his dad and his brothers really didn't see the calling in him, didn't really believe in him, and yet God continued to just kind of promote him. In fact, we talked in one of the weeks about the most famous, you know, story of David of all time, you know, where he fights Goliath and he defeats Goliath. And then suddenly when he defeats Goliath, people start to see, okay, hey, maybe this guy does have some leadership potential. In fact, we talked about it last week. People started following him on Instagram. You know, like they wanted to, like, let's follow this David guy because he's the one that beat Goliath. And the Bible says they started writing songs about him. And they said, hey, David, is, you know, Saul has killed thousands, but David has killed tens of thousands. And Saul, who was the current king, he wasn't very happy about that. He's kind of jealous. We talked about it last week. Twice he threw a spear at David and tried to kill him. And so now where we pick up in the story today, David is running for his life. The king and all of the king's men are chasing after David and he finds himself hiding out in a cave. Now I want you to think about this for a minute. Put yourself in David's shoes for just a moment. Can you imagine how David must have felt? Like, he's thinking, God called me to lead a kingdom. I'm going to be running a country is what I thought, but actually I'm running and hiding in a cave. Can you imagine how he must have felt? In fact, if you've been around here very long, we, we've talked about this many times. We, we call it the expectation gap. And the expectation gap kind of goes like this. When something that you thought was going to happen doesn't happen, how many know it's disappointing? Come on, anybody ever been there before? Like you, you thought life was going to go this way. You thought marriage was going to be this way. You thought, you know, your job was going to be a certain way. You thought, hey, I'm going to sign up and be a leader and, and it's going to be a certain way. And then when things don't go the way you thought they were going to go, how many know there's a gap? between your expectations and your experience. You know what I'm saying? And in that gap, what happens? There's disappointment. There's frustration. 
There's discouragement. Anybody ever been there before? You know, I'll just tell you, honestly, I've been there lots of times in my life. I mean, I, I can think about how God called us to come to, to Burleson and plant a church. We were just shepherd boys out in West Texas tending to our father's church. You know what I'm saying? And God spoke to us and he called us to come to Burleson, Texas of all places and start and start a church. He said, I, I got more for you, I, more I want you to do. And I'll be honest, in those moments, I had faith and I thought, you know, if God's called us, he's going to lead us, he's going to be with us. In fact, I'll just tell you, like, I remember back in those days, I didn't lack much for confidence. Like, I remember thinking, hey, if God called us, it's going to be good, and everybody's going to want to come to our church. I mean, watch out, Stephen Furtick. We're going to be on outreach, you know, lists of fastest growing churches, because everybody's going to want to come to our church. But I soon found out that's not the way that it was. It wasn't long till I discovered nobody cared about our little church that we were planting. And that was a huge hit to me to my identity and to my security and to my confidence. I mean, we had been successful youth pastors and successful in our pastor's job that we were at in Midland. And I just thought this is the way it's going to be. And now that's not the way that it was. And man, like I remember there was a major gap. It felt like, it felt like a cave moment. You know what I'm talking about? In fact, I can remember in some of those early days when we started the church, it started with just me and my wife, Amber, and my two little girls at the time, they were three and two years old at the time and we didn't have a church building and we didn't have any people to help us start the church we just had like there was like seven adults and six kids that's that's who was helping us start the church and we started out in the Hughley Fitness Center anybody know where that is over by the Hughley Hospital on Saturday nights and we we had this little four by six trailer in fact we still have it it's out in the parking lot you can see it when you (laughs) when you leave today and it had you know had some of our equipment in we didn't have a whole lot of equipment but a little you know some stuff for our worship team and I was actually not just the pastor I was the worship leader too and so I played the keys and I led the worship and we would set up all the stuff and we had this I remember we had this one guy who was you know part of our core launch team or whatever helping us start the church and he told me like he'd only been saved for a few weeks he told me he played the guitar and I was like cool man be on the worship team he gets on the worship team I find out he only knows three chords you know I'm like that kind of limits your song selection you know what I'm saying but anyway and we would set up stuff and we would you know we'd practice the worship and then I remember I would go and I'd stand out in the lobby at the Hughley Fitness Center. And if if you've seen it, you know, this big giant parking lot out there looking out over Interstate 35. And I would look through these big giant glass windows. And I remember I'd stand there and I would pray, God, please send somebody new tonight. (laughs) Somebody that's not my wife or my kids or my parents who came over just to support (laughs) us. Like somebody new, please, Lord. And oftentimes that prayer would go completely unanswered. And I would stand there in disappointment, a huge gap, feeling like I'm in a cave. But I'd go back in, I'd lead the worship and I'd preach the sermon and we'd tear down all our stuff and put it in the trailer and take the trailer back to our house and park it in front of our, in front of our house. And I'd wake up the next morning thinking like, what am I doing? God, I thought you called us to this and this is not how I thought that it was 
going to go. It felt like, felt like a cave moment. And I can, I can imagine how, how David must have felt. In fact, I don't have to imagine how he felt when he was hiding out in that cave because he actually tells us how he was feeling in the book of Psalms. In Psalm 122, this, this Psalm that, that David wrote, actually he wrote it while he was in that cave. And I want you to see what he says in verse number four. He says, I look for someone to come and help me. But nobody gives me a passing thought. No one will help me. No one cares a bit about what happens to me. Now, I know that sounds a little bit dramatic, right? But how many know that's the way that it feels when you're in the cave moments of your life? When you thought that it was going to go one way, but it's not. When you thought, like David, he thought he was going to be running a kingdom, but instead he's running into caves and hiding and, and trying to just protect himself from the king who's wanting to kill him. And there he is in that deep, dark cave, and he's going, nobody cares about me. Nobody sees me. God, this is not the way that I thought that it was going to go. And some of you, maybe that's where you're at even today. Like you come into church and you got your nice smile on, you got your Sunday best on, you're going, hey brother, how you doing? But deep down inside, like you're in a cave and you're wondering like, where was God? The same God that I felt like called me, like it's not happening the way that I thought that it was going to happen. And you're filled with frustration and discouragement and disappointment and you're, and you're in that deep, dark place in your life. But I got a word of encouragement for you today. In fact, nudge your neighbor, tell him he's about to encourage you, all right? Here's the word, you ready? In fact, this is our key thought for today. Key thought is this. God allows us to be in caves to prepare us for crowns. Oh, come on, that's good. Y'all ought to tweet that out. Hashtag good preaching. Come on, that's good stuff right there. God allows us to be in caves to prepare us for crowns. Maybe some of you are in a cave right now, but maybe in that cave moment, God is doing a work inside of you to prepare you for that crowning moment of your life. And that's what was happening with David. In fact, what I wanna do for the next few minutes that we have together is I just wanna take and break this story down just a little bit. And I want us to see three things about the cave moments and how God uses them in our lives. The first one, if you're taking notes, you can write it down, is this, is that God uses caves to protect us. If you're in a cave today, let me just tell you, maybe God allowed you there. Maybe he has hidden you there to actually protect you from something that would be harmful to you. In fact, here's what I know is a lot of times we want things from God, but if we got those things from God, they wouldn't actually help us. They would actually harm us. Come on. How many ever been there before? You know, the thing that you prayed for, that you wanted, that you so hoped for and longed for that then you didn't get it. And later on you look back and you're like, I'm so glad I didn't get that. God was protecting me, right? It's like the great theologian Garth Brooks once said, some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. Come on, y'all. Sometimes the prayer that didn't get answered, I know my Brian's right there with me. Come on. Sometimes the prayer that didn't get answered is actually for your protection. Sometimes the moment that you feel like you're in the cave is actually God hid you there. God put you there to protect you from something that might be harmful for, for you. Here's David. He's in the cave, but he's actually being protected from someone who's trying to kill him. And if you're in the cave, let me just remind you of a couple of things today. If you're in the cave today, it might be because it's not yet the right time. 
time is not right yet. I think about David. All right, let's just, let's just think about it logically here for a minute. David's running from Saul. A lot of times we preach, man, he's running scared. I just thought about this. I don't think David was scared. Actually, think about this. David was an incredible warrior. David had just defeated Goliath. You think he's scared of King Saul? Like he, he could defeat, if he could defeat Goliath, the 10 foot tall giant, Saul should be no problem. He's not running because he's afraid. I think he was running because he understood timing. He knew that it just wasn't yet the right time for the crown. In fact, I know that he understood this because later David would have a son. His son would be, be named Solomon. He would be the king and he would also write some books in the Bible. And he would write about this, this idea of timing in Ecclesiastes chapter three. In fact, maybe, I don't know, but maybe Solomon learned this lesson about timing from his dad, David, who taught it to him. Watch what he says. He says, for everything, there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I have seen the burden that God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything, what? Beautiful in its own time. What is Solomon saying? He's saying, hey, if you don't have what God promised to you, it might just be because it's not quite the right time for it. There is a time for everything. And if you're in the cave, it might be that God is protecting you from something that is just not the right time. I can think about when we first started the church, there were things I prayed for, things that I believed for, things that I wanted so bad that if now I look back, if we would have gotten those things in that time, we wouldn't have been ready for them and they would have not been helpful to us. They would have been harmful to us. I think about specifically, I remember just a few years ago, five, six years ago, 2016, 17, 18, around that time, we were believing God for this building that we're in right now. We were praying and believing God for that because we were meeting over there where the Life Kids meet now. And we had three services every Sunday morning, packed out every service. I'm preaching three times. I'm tired. I'm like, I just need a new building so that we can fit everybody in. We only have to do two services. And I'm believing God for that. And it just, it seemed like it was taking forever and we had delay after delay after delay and yet what was happening was that we weren't ready yet for that new building we didn't have the money we didn't have the finances in that four years that we were doing three services we were able to save money that would prepare us so that when we did move into the building and little did I know in 2020 we would move into the building and about March you know what happened in 2020 and suddenly there's all kinds of economic uncertainty and all those things that we wouldn't have been ready for if we would have gotten what I wanted sooner than we got it. Come on, right? Maybe it's just not the right time. And maybe God's protecting you. Maybe, maybe it's not just that the time is right. Maybe it's that you're not right. Maybe you're not ready. In fact, I think about another cave moment. 
A guy in the Old Testament, a guy named Joseph, who also God picked him out, gave him a dream, said, you're one day going to be a leader, but his brothers were mad about it. They beat him up, threw him into a pit, kind of a cave moment for Joseph. And why did he go into that moment? Why didn't he go just straight to being the leader that God, why? Because he wasn't ready. It wasn't the time because he wasn't the person that he needed to be. Yeah, and maybe some of you, like, you're in that moment right now and you're waiting on that next season and God is going, hey, I'm just using this moment to prepare you. I'm protecting you and preparing you for what I have for you. See, God uses the caves to prepare us for crowns. And it's in the cave moments that he uses those to number one, protect us. So everybody say it, protect us. Number two, write this down. He also uses the caves in our lives to connect us. Check this out. Man, I'd never noticed this before I started studying for this message. But look at this in verse, in 1 Samuel chapter 22 and verse one. So David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Abdullam. Soon his brothers and all the other relatives joined him there and others began coming. Men who were in trouble or in debt, who were just discontented until David was the captain of about 400 men. Check this out. I never even thought about this. But while David is in the cave, what is God doing? God is bringing the right people to him, connecting him to the people who will later be become what is known as David's mighty men. These would be the men that would fight with, for David while Saul was chasing him. And many of them would be the same people that would serve with David when later he would become the king. And the connection happened in that cave moment. When David was in the cave, God was bringing the right people around him. I mean, this is an incredible lesson. Some of you are in a cave moment right now. Let me just tell you something. Look around. The people that are with you in the cave Those are the people who are really with you. Those are the people that you want to connect yourself with. Because how many know it's easy for people to be with you when everything's going good? But then when things aren't going so good, sometimes you look around and like, where are they? See, the people that you want to be connected with are the people that are there with you when you're in the cave. The people that believe in you when nobody else believed in you. The people that, that when everybody else is walking out, they're the ones walking in. That's the kind of people you want around you. And here's the sad part and the difficult part about cave moments. Sometimes it's not until the cave moment that this is actually revealed. In fact, look what the Bible says about it. Check this out. In Proverbs 17 and 17, it says, a friend loves when at all times. And a brother is born for a time of adversity. How do you know who's really with you? Look around, who's with me when, when I'm in the cave? Who's with you when you're in the struggle? Who's with you not just when things are good, but when things are bad? And the hard thing is, is sometimes you don't know who's with you until you go through the cave moment. I'll tell you one of the hardest things I've ever been through as a pastor is when we went through the pandemic. It was like going into a cave. Literally, we were all quarantined. <laughs> And the hardest thing for me, which it took me about a year really to get through, more than a year probably to get through some of that grief from that was that I looked around and people I thought were with us weren't with me. And that was hard. Took me a while to get over that. But you know what's so amazing is I also have looked around and there's some people I didn't think were with me that they're with me. And there's some new people that God is bringing around to be with us. And we're gonna fight 
together. We're going to serve together. We're going to do what God has called us to do together. That's what's happening in the cave moments. In the cave moments, God is protecting you. He is connecting you. But then notice this last one, and I'll do it quickly. In the cave moments, here's what happens. God is inspecting you. He's taking a look. It's a test to see how are you going to react in the moment when you're in the cave, when it's dark all around you, when things aren't going the way that you expected them to go, you thought you're going to be running a country, but instead you're running into caves. In those moments is when God really sees what's going on inside of us. In fact, check it out. This is what happens with David. Watch this in 1 Samuel 24 and verse 1. So after Saul returned from pursuing the Philistines, he was told, David is in the desert of En Gedi. So Saul took 3,000 able young body men from all Israel and set out to look for David and his men near the crags of the wild goats. So here's David. He's hiding in the cave. Saul, is the king, is trying to find him and trying to kill him. And look what happens in verse 3. He came to the sheep pens along the way, and a cave was there. And Saul went into the cave to relieve himself. Tell me the Bible's not funny. I'm just telling you. He goes in the cave to go to the bathroom. And David and his men were far back in the cave. He goes in the same cave that David's hiding out in. Check this out. And the men said, this is the day the Lord spoke of when he said to you, I will give your enemy into your hand and to deal with you as you wish, or to deal with as you wish. Then David crept up unnoticed and cut off a corner of Saul's robe. Afterward, David was so conscious stricken for having cut off a corner of his robe. He said to his men, the Lord forbid that I should do such a thing to my master, the Lord's anointed, or lay my hand on him, for he is the anointed of the Lord. With these words, David sharply rebuked his men and did not allow them to attack Saul. And Saul left the cave and went his own way. Check that out. Can you believe that? David's in the cave. Saul goes to the same cave. He's as vulnerable as you can get. Come on, you know what I'm saying? If David wanted to kill him, he could kill him right there. But he didn't. Instead, he just cut off a little piece of his robe without him even knowing that he was there. And even felt guilty for that. That tells you a lot about David's heart. That when he was tempted to take the easy way, he was committed to doing things God's way. Oh, man, can I just tell you? Like, there's going to be times when it would be easier to just take the easy way, just do things your way. And it's in that moment when you're tempted to do it the easy way that God's inspecting you. He's testing you. He's just seeing Hey, can I trust you? It's actually in the cave moments that it is revealed that we are ready to do what God's calls to do. It was in that moment in the cave. After that moment, when David could have killed Saul, he could have done it the easy way, but he didn't do it. It was in that moment that God knew, okay, now he's ready to be king. Some of you are in a cave moment right now. It might be in this moment that God's just watching Hey, will you do things the easy way or will you do things my way? And when he sees, hey, you're committed to doing it God's way, even if it's taking longer, even if it's disappointing, even if it's harder, but you're just going to keep doing it God's way. In that moment, then God looks down and goes, okay, yeah, done a little inspection here. He's ready. And now I can move him in to a crown. See, God uses cave moments in our lives to prepare us for the crowning moments of our lives. This is not the only cave we see in the, in the Bible. There's another guy about a thousand years after this who goes into a cave, it's deep and it's dark. 
He's there for three days. But on that third day, Jesus rose up out of that cave. And it was that cave moment that was dark and that was painful and that was difficult. He cried out like in that, in the moment right before he went into the cave, God, have you even forsaken me in this moment? But it was that cave moment that was preparing him for his crowning moment. It was because he went through that cave that it would be revealed his greatest ministry. And we're able to know him today because of it. Some of you just like that, you're in a cave right now. You got darkness all around you. But man, it might be that God is using that cave moment to prepare you for your crowning moment. He's using the caves to make you ready for the crown. It might be out of the darkness of your life that the greatest ministry will flow from you. But here's what you got to do. See, here's the thing about David. David wasn't perfect. He didn't get it all right. You read his story. He messed up. We're going to talk about that more later in the series. But here's the thing. David wasn't perfect, but here's what he was. He was surrendered. And that's what it comes down to today. Nobody's going to be perfect, but every one of us can be surrendered. <laughs>